The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars. The just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail, every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash liveforward. White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Welcome back to another week of the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. We're actually recording the day that we're releasing, recording this on Saturday morning. So I guess we're going to get you even more up-to-date information than usual. Lance went to a game last night. I was supposed to take in Alex Fado, Erie, Isaac Paredes versus New Hampshire, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. The game was rained out. There were thunderstorms. There's a there's a tornado warning in my area still. Potentially, I have a doubleheader where I'm going to be able to take in two games today. And actually, Eric Cross from Fantrax is going to be interviewing uh, Fado. So I was going to try to tag along and maybe steal some jewels from that interview. So I don't know, Lance. Everything's been thrown into flux. My wife and I were supposed to go to the game last night. My parents took the kids. Best laid plans, Lance. Best laid plans. But how was your Friday night? Tell me, please. <laughs> First off, I guess it, I guess I leave the Northeast and, and tornadoes start coming in. What is mm. this? <laughs> oh it becomes God. it becomes the Midwest. You took that nice uh, <laughs> dry August weather in in New England. You've taken that with you. You brought it to the Midwest. We now have tornadoes. Lance, what, what, what kind of what kind of power do you do you wield, my man? I, I don't know. I guess more than I assumed I had, but uh, mm. no, it's good, man. I was uh, was out in Fort Wayne again. I seem to always go there. Pretty good relationship with a lot of the media guys there, so it's fun. And um, it was a good game. No hitter through six for Osvaldo Hernandez. Got to see a little bit of him. Took some pictures. Took a lot of video. I got to see Jonathan India for the first time, which I was very impressed with. Um, I'll say most of that for the five by five. I'm going to talk about Osvaldo and Jonathan India, but. Multiple looks again now at uh, at Esteri Ruiz and, and Jason Rosario and stuff. Terso's on the DL with, uh, I believe, a little bit of a wrist problem that seems to be lingering a little bit. And uh, so that's not big of a deal. But the crazier thing was that they're playing Dayton. And uh, I was talking to the media guy, Tom Nichols, from Dayton. 
wondering exactly what was going on with Hunter Green because I was hoping to talk to Hunter Green earlier this week and he rejected my interview and I was a little bit bummed but now I find out that he probably rejected my interview because uh, he has uh, a UCL strain so that is the I guess what we'll lead with here but uh Unfortunate for sure. It initially, I believe, was, was disclosed as a stomach bug. I believe Green came out to the media and said it. Personally, it was a stomach bug, or there was a quote somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where, but I heard that he came out and said, you know, I was had something, and, I, you know, it's been lingering, so he missed a pen, he missed a start, and then obviously it comes out yesterday, um, announced via the Reds that he has a UCL strain. He won't pitch for Dayton for the rest of the season. Um, devastating for sure, especially because I know he's a Jaeger band guy. Um, long toss before games. It's kind of in that Trevor Bowerish mold of of a lot of a lot of activity on off days and stuff. And it's one of the reasons why I think he's able to throw that hard. And you know, I don't think there's a direct correlation between a lot of the Jaeger band stuff and UCL damage like this. But you have to think like at what point you know he's been so good with arm care too. He's one of those guys that I just I always bet for a really long time that he would never have a problem like this. And it seems like he does have a problem with this. And it's a bummer. You know, it's definitely a bummer. Yeah. But. Uh, um, but I guess the good thing is that for the red system, at least, is that India was out the other day, too. He, I think he took a line drive off. I don't remember where on his body, but he sat. But he's back and he's he's looks pretty good. So awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on India yeah. as we dig in. But just touching very briefly, just my thoughts on the yeah, whole green yeah. thing. And, you know, I think we all try to come up with some sort of magic answer as to why there's been you know such an increase in elbow injuries and UCLs. And I think ultimately it's just it's the correlation between how much harder these guys are throwing now, the velocity and just the wear and tear on your on your elbow. I mean, guys just aren't supposed to probably throw this hard. And it's just it's it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. and it, I don't think it even matters if you're necessarily a, a 92, 93 mile per hour guy or a 100 mile per hour guy. I think it's just whatever max effort is in your body. And there's just only so many times that you can do that, regardless of how good your mechanics are. If you're throwing it all out there and you're up to, you know, 100 consistently, 101 too, I mean, it's, it's, it's just going to tear up your arm. I, I don't think that we're necessarily ever going to totally understand why it happens. I, I, I really don't know if we'll ever get to the, the root of that. Um, but then again, I'm not, I'm not a scientist and I'm sure there's people much smarter than myself working on this, but it seems like, you know, the more theories we have, we don't really ever get an answer as to why, because we all thought green was like, Hey, if there's anybody that could throw a hundred and it's, yep. it's going to work, it's this guy. We've also said the opposite about somebody like Chris sale. Of course, it's a bad time because he's got a shoulder injury, but <laughs> supposedly I, I, I still think that that's posturing and keeping him fresh, but that's uh, my Homerism sneaking through into my opinions, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, and then uh, even a guy like Kopech, where how many people said, Hey, Kopech's going to have an elbow injury. Okay. Knock on all the wood in my house as I'm saying this, mm. but how many people have said Kopech was going to have an elbow injury. He's put together, you know, a decent amount of innings now over the course of several seasons. And, and I, I don't know. I don't think we can predict it. I think there's just some guys that it works out for, and there's other guys it doesn't, and it could just be one bad throw and pop. There goes your UCL, right? Yeah. That, sh- that should be a, that should be the name of a pop, ca- a podcast pop. There goes your UCL. They <laughs> just talk yeah. about nothing but pitcher injuries. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get that crazy Chris O'Leary whack job on it. And he can, oh, he can argue God. with everybody about like uh flat arm syndrome. There's uh, that, who is that? There's someone always in my mentions who like, whatever I post something is just at him. And I'm like, stop it. Please stop. Like, I don't, hmm. I don't need this. Like, you should just block. That's what I did. I think I just blocked Chris O'Leary. I, think I did too. Yeah, yeah. Because at first, like when I thought the Tommy Pham stuff was real, I was like, well, maybe it's kind of a legitimate thing. All right. Yeah, right? I kind of, 
I kind of got like where where the arm was with the plant foot. Okay, that kind of made some sense to me. But then mm-hmm. like some of the stuff he would do and say, and then like you could grab different screen j- uh, grabs of different pitchers, and you could more or less give them a- everything from good mechanics to flat arm syndrome. I was like, all right, this guy is a bunch of witchcraft. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm moving away and I'm blocking Chris O'Leary. Oh, but man. I saw uh, our boy Connor Kirkon from Six Man Rotation took him on a little bit yesterday. But anyway, ah, there we go. Do you have anything else you wanted to say about the green situation? Or can I talk about some more happier times when I got to see Eloy last week in a hot and uh, hazy and humid McCoy stadium. So (laughs) I got to take in Eloy Jimenez in Charlotte. I brought my daughter out who my son doesn't listen to the podcast. She's by far the best one to go to games with because she actually listens to stuff. She pays attention to the game. She doesn't ask for food every five minutes and like she'll move around (laughs) Behind like the behind like the the like home plate in different places to get different looks and she's totally fine with it. She's interested in the videos. So anyway, so we went to go see Eloy. Um, you know, Pawtucket didn't really have anybody very interesting pitching. I think they had. Uh, ooh, uh, I'm gonna sir, sir, I'm gonna butcher this name. Servas uh, Cervasis. It sounds like beer. Uh, something like that. But I think it was like, you know, he, he throws, he's a soft thrower, like 88, 89, maybe hits like 90 on the fastball sinker ball guy. And, uh, get there. The lineup isn't too bad. I'll say Jose Rondon hit a bomb who, if you remember him, I think he was a, uh, a prospect a while ago with the Padres, maybe like five years ago, he was like a power hitting shortstop prospect from the lower minors that never materialized. He's got a little bit of pop, but he's kind of stiff. Um, Sebi, uh, Zavala is, uh, uh, is in that, on that team, the catcher we've talked about before. I know we've talked about Sebi, S E B Y. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim Contreras is a big Sebi guy as a lot of the, uh, white Sox guys are. I saw his first triple a Homer actually. So that was kind of cool, nice. but the man, the myth, the legend, Eloy Jimenez was at the plate was every bit, uh, impressive as he has been, he had been billed. Really, really, I mean, you saw this, the open face. I actually got my seats in the first baseline, so I'd be able to get some open face video on Eloy. He hit a, he hit a bomb. He went three for four. He did not disappoint. Um, you know, he turned it an inside fastball, ripped it down the line for a single. If he had been a little bit faster, he probably would have been able to push it for a double. Um, went the opposite field on the homer, just snuck it out uh, on the right field line. And then he went to right field again in the eighth inning uh, in his final at bat. Now, I will say I went out to uh, left field the last three innings to get a good look at him defensively because I figured I had already sort of gotten my looks at uh, Jordan Guerrero, who I thought was a pretty interesting pitcher, lefty uh, starter for uh, Charlotte. He's uh, a guy that obviously is is sort of on the cusp of the majors. I'll talk about him in a minute. But uh, I got some more looks at him, and then I moved into the outfield. I will tell you this. Eloy Jimenez is not athletic. That was one of the things that struck me. He's pretty stiff in the lower half. He's kind of flat-footed. You know, as I had described it to one of my friends, I think I had said to you, he's sort of like the buddy that you have that's like insanely strong. Like he's a de- he's a defensive end in football, mm-hmm. but y- you don't necessarily like uh, like he's not like he's not quick. Like he, he, if you played basketball with him, he's the guy that you'd stuff in the middle. He'd rebound for you. You'd throw him the ball down low and he'd dunk on everybody. But like. In comparison to like Vlad Guerrero Jr., he's like a fat kid that can take you off the dribble and drop like diaper <laughs> shots on you in the lane. And you're like, how the hell was he doing that? Vlad Guerrero Jr. is more athletic than Eloy Jimenez. I want to I want to put that out there. That doesn't mean that you know Vlad is going to be some. It, the body isn't going to get worse. Certainly, Eloy's body is better. Vlad's just a little bit more fluid. You know, like his he's just he's a little bit looser in the hips and all that sort of stuff. Now, Eloy has insane man strength. 
His swing is so easy, really easy power. His plate coverage is right up there. Um, you know, with, with any of the best prospects that I've seen this year. And I've seen quite a few, certainly with Vlad Guerrero, he's the closest thing to Vlad Guerrero. He's the only guy I would say where the bat is in that, in that range, you know, Mm -hmm. that good, he could, he could have better years than, than Vlad at the plate. I just think Vlad might have a little bit more, um, value early on, at least in the field. You know, I, I I think the arm, Eloy's arm isn't bad, but like Eloy tripped. (laughs) making a routine, catching a routine fly ball. And he ended up like kind of like catching the ball and like falling in his butt. It was like total softball sort of bait, like sort of like outfield play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was, it would struck me. Like I was like, damn, this guy isn't, this guy is flat footed. It kind of like bull legged at the plate huh. though. He is a monster. He doesn't move all that well, but yeah, he's just gonna, he's just your middle of the order. 330, 100 sort of bat. And it's, it's pretty easy to see. The other guy I liked was, um, Jordan Guerrero. And, uh, he had a changeup and a curveball and a fastball. The fastball was like 92 to like 93, sometimes like 88, 89, a little bit later in the game when he got into the sixth inning, he, he excuse me, uh, just almost burped there. He threw a ton <laughs> of, he threw a ton of strikes. The changeup was good. The changeup dropped down and then uh, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a curveball that was like in the high, high seventies. Um, and then a fastball that was, uh, excuse me. And then a, a changeup that was like, you know, like mid eighties. So yeah, it was, I mean, he was pretty good. He threw strikes, repeated pretty well. Um, you know, left-hander. So yeah, he was like a decent, he was definitely, a a, a decent look. I, I think that he's a guy that's going to be like a back end starter. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be anything you know, insane, um, certainly not going to be an ace. The numbers that he's put up thus far in the international league aren't going to stick around, but, um, all in all, I actually thought that he was, he was a pretty interesting, uh, a pretty interesting take. Yeah. I'm looking back now. The curveball was 73 to 75 change up was 79 to 82. So there you go. And it had a little glove side run, uh, on the fastball, but he was yeah, 91 to 93 through the first to the fourth and then dropped down to 88 to 91 in the fifth. Um, but yeah, pretty consistent with the release point over the top guy. Yeah. I thought he was interesting. He was one of those guys that you see in like, you know, triple a, we were like, all right, this guy could be a, you know, major league starter, like not going to be anything great, but you know, it could, you know, a decent, decent back end guy. Mm-hmm. I like it. No, that's awesome. I think that it's always good to get looks at guys as good as Eloy, you know, going back to Eloy here. Cause yeah. that you get like such a baseline for like true talent, true, like 60 to 70 talent, you know, like future value, all stars and stuff like that. And I think that we saw that definitely with with Vlad. And it's tough because, I mean, in the Eastern League, you know, I think that in the last couple of years, we've been pretty lucky with some of the guys to come through there, especially Brandon Rogers and some of the other guys and, and Vlad and even Bichette, who's just been, I think, perpetually overshadowed. But with Vlad, which is understandable, but. I think that it's really good to baseline guys like that because I, I think I've taken that for granted because I come out to Midwest League and, you know, a lot of these guys are, are developing, you know. Like, I get some of the really, really good talent early on, but it's very hard to then project out that talent and, and kind of give a, a projection in terms of the baseline what you expect in years to come. And it's been fun, but it's been very different. It's a very different way to watch the game is, is the jump between A-ball and, and double-A, which is something that I think I underestimated a little bit. And I like it. I like it a lot just because it's like you, you, a lot of it more is more on you. Like It's harder to look back at the stats and be like, great, I have three years of minor league stats. He's in double-A now. He's progressed. His K-rate's going down. In the Midwest League, it's like you have X amount of games from him at rookie ball. Then you have a really small sample in the Midwest League, and you're looking at it, and you're going – 
how much do I buy into this? You know, <laughs> like how much do I exactly. buy into it? Like a guy like, I mean, one of the guys I want to get into is, is Gabriel Arias because I've seen him multiple times now. I don't love his swing, but he's a superb shortstop defensively. I think Fangraphs had him at a future 55. I'd probably put future 60. I think I'd put present 50. I think he's a present average shortstop. I think he has a plus arm. His range is unbelievable. His first step is great. He's He's good. He's one of the better shorts that I think I've seen in a while. I don't think I've seen him really boot anything or, or miff anything. And I've been really impressed by him. And then he pokes a ball yesterday the other way. Um, home run, his third home run of the year. And I'm, mm. I am I talked to Anthony Anthony Contreras after the game, who's the team caps manager. And I was like, what do you see from Arias going forward? You know, I was like, he that ball he hit is like really impressive. And, and AC said that he's a gap-to-gap guy and his power is to right center, which I found interesting. And he said that as he develops, he thinks he'll be able to get into more pull power. So that's just context. Like, I found a lot of context in that because I was like, okay, if they're having him go gap to gap, he's not going to hit 15 home runs in the Midwest League. Like, Midwest League tends to dampen power a little bit. You get a guy like Gabriel Arias going the other way most of the time and trying to put balls to right center. Like, he's going he's gonna to finish the year with, like, five to six home runs. I mean, the kid's well, – I think he's still, like, 19 years old and he's raw. And if he grows anymore, like – it's it's just really interesting to understand that there he's going he's intentionally going right center to gap to gap and at some point you know he puts on more weight and he starts going into a pull side then you could maybe end up with a 15 home run season in the minor leagues or 20 home run season next thing you know you're looking at a viable defensive shortstop with some at least projection on the bat you know whereas initially we saw that i think when he was in wasn't he in like australia or something like that yeah he he was destroyed everything yeah, he was in the Australian league, so he yeah. he went the the Acuna route, but didn't blow up when he came back. Yeah, yeah, I'm I was interested. real high on him. Yeah, I because I think there's I think there's some some pop in the bat. I mean, when you, you see some is. of the swings he puts the on, the homer like, he hit last night, it seems like there's twenty really twenty impressive. homer power there with with like a very high end defensive profile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a guy that makes the major leagues. That's yeah. a guy that gets an opportunity to settle in. I mean it's not a perfect comp because Angel Angelton Simmons isn't this kind of player. He's a different type of a hitter, but I think we've seen Angelton Simmons has blossomed into a much better offensive player than maybe we, you know, had initially billed him as regardless of what we had read in scouting reports when he came up and, mm-hmm. you know, that defense buys you opportunities. It buys you time to sort of work on it with the best coaches, you know, at the major league level using the best facilities and really, you know, focusing in on on getting the most out of your swing. And uh, I think ultimately that's why a lot of those guys are able to. And, and the other thing is when you're a good defensive shortstop, it's usually a reason. It's because you either have a high baseball IQ or you're athletic or a combination of the both. And athleticism doesn't necessarily always surface in, you know, um, rec, you know, straight line speed, which I think is how we sort of measure it is how yeah. high can this guy jump, how run, how fast can he run? Or sometimes in baseball, it just translates in terms of being smooth in the field yep. and, and just being able to do a lot of different things very, you know, in a very smooth athletic way. And I think that that kind of gets lost in a lot of people. I think, I think it's what's lost in a lot of people with like Tyler O'Neill, just to toot my own horn here. But I mean, you've seen him play a really good outfield. And I think people are kind of impressed at how well he runs the bases and, and how, you know, how much range he can cover in the outfield, even as a center fielder sometimes, which even, even me, me being like the most staunch, like Tyler O'Neill defender, I never thought he'd be an everyday center fielder. So, mm. um, I think, I think that he's, you know, going back to going back to Arias is, I just think he's a good, he's a good example of that. You know, I agree. I agree with you. And another thing too is, is in Jolton Simmons, it took him what, five years before he was able to put together really? like yeah. back-to-back plus offensive seasons or even average exactly. offensive seasons. So yeah. I mean, come on, you know, it's one of those things you got to definitely wait on guys and give you guys a chance like that. But I, I think I'm growing on a Gabriel. I think I initially saw him and I didn't like his 
they swing too much. I thought there was a lot of length, especially compared to guys like like Estee Ruiz and stuff, where they're just so compact. And even Jason Rosario, a lot of I mean, he hits a lot of ground balls. He's a line drive kind of guy, but his swing is is I think a little bit better presently than Gabriel Arias. But if you start projecting things out, I mean, I think you see a little bit more with Arias in terms of uh, there's a ton of ton of risk. I mean, he's 18. I said he was 19. He's only 18. He turns yeah. 19 next February, so he's very very young. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of risk with that, and there's a ton of risk. But I also think there's a good amount of upside there as well, and. Um, he's been fun to watch. So, I mean, I'm enjoying a lot of the guys in the Fort Wayne. Um, what do you say about digging into our Brendan McKay update, Ralph? I know this is something we wanted to kind of bring on as a recurring segment here as we go yes. forward, just because we both enjoy Brendan McKay a lot. We think that what yes. he's doing is amazing. And exactly. uh, we have to have a little like two minute spiel on him, I think, every week now. Yeah. So we're going to do the uh, weekly Brandon McKay update just to tell you what he's doing, because I, I don't know if he's the most. Uh, interesting guy from a fantasy perspective. He certainly is. But mm-hmm. I, I think just from. Uh, you know, just a great story. He's just a great story. He's a really interesting talent. And I think with Shohei Otani and, and I don't know with all these, these hitters pitching now, it seems like the two way thing is, is all the rage. So why don't we go with Brendan McKay, who was one of the OG two way guys, you know, when Otani was coming over, McKay was sort of a story as well. And I think he sort of added to the whole allure of this, this whole two way thinking. Uh, maybe we should have done that with Hunter green. Maybe it would have saved his elbow a little bit, but anyway, <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> so Brendan, Brendan McKay, uh, last Friday. So we're going back a full week now. Cause he actually think went over four last night with two strikeouts had a two homer game last Friday, which is, I believe the first two homer game of his career. Uh, he's been working his way back, came out through four score scoreless innings on Friday night, only allowed one base runner on one hit, uh, and struck out four over those four innings. So kind of interesting, you know, it shows that he can impact the game, you know, uh, on the mound, but also, but also at the plate. So yeah, there's Brandon McKay. That's my, my slight little Brandon McKay update. will be interesting to see what he does, uh, as he moves along. I don't, I, I would imagine he's probably going to, because of the injury that he had missed, you know, I got a few weeks to a month. My guess is he's probably going to stick in the Florida state league. I don't know. Now that I said this, they'll probably, when the show posts, the update on Twitter will probably be Brendan McKay has been, uh, promoted to, to double, to double a, uh, I don't know. Do you think they'll promote him to double a before the end of the season, just to see what he does maybe for the playoffs or something like that, or late in the season? Or do you think he stays in the Florida state league? I, I think he stays. And I think it's mainly because I, I'm saying that just cause I don't know what their baseline is going to be for him to be called up. Like, I, do we understand really like a guy who's playing two ways? Like, are they waiting for the pitching and the hitting to get to a certain point? Are they only really worried about one of them? Are they just concerned about where his his arm is and then they're kind of just going to ride the bat out? Like that's my main kind of – I'm confused in terms of like if I'm the Rays and I'm looking at him in high A. Like at one point am I comfortable with both of his skill sets it's for me to call him up to double A, to Montgomery? And yeah. I, I, I'm interested. Like I don't really know. I would I would guess it's both because they're, they're definitely – pushing him as a two-way guy and I think that it fits beautifully into their model and I'm, this is, we'll mention this just on this pod and then I, going forward we'll always mention more tidbits but like he fits into the model they're throwing they're bullpenning at the major league level so well like yeah. the fact that he'd be able to throw like two innings three innings of whatever and then I think he could play like first base in the field he's not going to be throwing a lot like if he's if he's throwing 40 50 pitches like a game every fourth or fifth day and then playing the other two days like this is, I think this is like Otani broke the mold for two-way guys. I think that McKay can actually like break it even more and play the field. Like, and I know Otani, this is crazy again, but. Otani had two homers last night, didn't he? Or I he know, yeah, he did. <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Maybe we drop it on Twitter, he's going to hit a third. <laughs> or drop the post and he'll hit a third. But no, I mean, I just, I like chicken in on McKay. You know, he's, so we got hitting side right now. He's a 28% strikeout guy, 10% walk guy. The average isn't great. 
OBP's hanging around there, so I think that matters more than anything. And then we've seen through three levels now the plus command. It's it's fantastic. You know, his FIP looks fantastic. 2.43 right now, 30 innings, 11.27 strikeouts per nine. Translates to about a 32% strikeout rate. And he's not walking a lot of guys. This is a great lefty, beautiful command. Fastball curve change. I mean, this is fun, man. I, I really like McKay. I mean, again, for fantasy purposes, I really don't know like what the value is going to be long-term. But he's just so interesting in terms of what they're doing with him. And I think that I hope that it leads to a lot more guys, you know, in this situation where their teams are willing to kind of uh, tinker with them and allow them to kind of break out in various ways. So Otani was Otani was four for five last night with two homers, two homers and a steal, drove in three and scored three runs. Oh, they're letting him run, too. I love it. (laughs) They're like, yeah, your arm is uh, you're not going to pitch. So run around. And that's great. Uh, uh, yeah, and without without Trout in that lineup, he has well other than uh, than than world beater, uh, brand new catcher uh, Francisco Arcia. He has <laughs> he has the uh, the highest OPS in that lineup. He's in eight seventy six OPS as we're recording this. It's pretty ridiculous. Jeez. But hey, I wanted to mention too. Did did you see that the Yankees are thinking about making uh, uh, third baseman DH from low A? Uh, Charleston, Dermis Garcia, which I think translate to skin, uh, skin Garcia. He's going to be a two way guy. Now they're, they're tinkering with, with having him, uh, pitch a little bit too. He's, he's had a gun for an arm. So I'm interested I did to not see, see what, this actually what he so can you, do. Yeah. Broken news. Yes. Yes. It's me. kind of, kind of an interesting story. Um, uh, I saw it the other day, uh, Rob, Rob, uh, Sherwood from, you know, brass 30 and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, one, of course. Um, one of our, one of our buddies, he had uh, sent me over the story the other day. So I figured I had to mention that. <laughs> What do you say we jump into some call-ups so we can get through this podcast in less than five hours? There are a ton of call-ups. <laughs> there that are, are a lot. We can, go, we can go through a few different teams and just sort of uh, hit on some of these guys. Braves obviously have continued to be very aggressive in promoting players uh, right up the ladder to the major league level. This young core is progressing, I think, even faster than, than many of us had expected, uh, even some of us big Braves fans. And uh, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright were both promoted to AAA uh, Gwinnett, so they're going to be in that rotation with Tuki Toussaint. Um, Christian Pash was promoted to uh, AA Mississippi. And then Drew Waters and uh, William Contreras were promoted to high A Florida. So they've moved all these guys up the ladder you know, Pash to double A, I think is, is really aggressive when you think how young this guy is, but he did show well, um, you know, the, the power certainly tapped into a lot more power, uh, in the Florida state league, which is a bit of a surprise. If we all remember the Florida state league is one of the worst power, uh, leagues, uh, in the minors. So that's, that's impressive for a guy who really hadn't hit very many homers. I think he had eight after having only maybe one or two last season. So that's a good sign. It'll be interesting to see what he does in double A. I know early on in the, for the first few games, not hitting for much power, uh, but was getting on base and making some contact. So that's good to see uh, Kyle Wright last night in his triple a debut uh, threw a no hitter. He did. He struck out five over five innings, but he did walk four. Um, I think the big thing with him is just consistency in his, in his breaking balls. Sometimes his, his breaking balls. I watched a little bit of the start last night because the game was rained out. So I was home. Uh, you know, one minute he can spin an absolute, um, you know, just dominant, uh, breaking ball. Like it just, it just drops, it just drops in on the hands. You know, you can get tons of swings and misses. You can drop it in the dirt. And then other times it's just, it's so obvious that it's not going to be a strike. The guys can just lay off of it. Uh, or he hangs something high in the zone. So I think the biggest thing for him is just having, you know, consistency in his secondaries. His fastball command is excellent. Um, I've never been the biggest Kyle Wright guy. Like I, I, I don't think he's going to be a future ace. I, I think he's a mid rotation guy for me, like a really solid 
mid-rotation guy. I think there's some Braves fans that really disagree with that. It's funny because of the way I rank pitchers in my top 500. People are like, why are you so low on Kyle Wright? Like, why are you so low on Braves pitchers? And I'm like, well, rank them against other pitchers. Like, just search by pitchers mm-hmm. because I, I feel like I made my statement. It's really a fantasy list. I'm trying to tell you how to draft your minors, but I also made it searchable for a reason. I'm going to keep on hammering this home. Search, look at it against other pitching prospects and then have your arguments versus that because like versus hitters, it's just, it's so tough to get value off these guys because number one, they get hurt or you know, Kyle Wright could come up. I mean, he struggled in double a, especially, you know, in his, uh, in his home starts, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a chance that he comes up to the majors and he struggles for a year and it's just going to be really tough to own him. you know, where that's not necessarily the, the case with a, with a lot of hitters, but, um, I still like Bryce Wilson better. I don't know if I'm in the minority on that or not. I, I love the fact this kid made adjustments when he went up to double a and then just pushed for a month. You know, mm-hmm. he switched from the, from the two seam fastball, which had really been his bread and butter going back to his high school days in North Carolina to a four seamer and was able to get results. Like he tinkered with it for a few games and then went full four seamer uh, back on July 2nd or 3rd. And since then, the results have been great. And, and he really changed the narrative of his time in double a after just being excellent throughout, you know, the lower minors. And I think that shows something that the fact that this guy was met with a challenge and, you know, he took it on head first and, and just absolutely, um, went to another level and has already been, you know, aggressively promoted to triple a at 20. So I don't know. And and he's got the swing and miss stuff that I don't think Soroka and Colby Allard have. So to me, Wilson might be the best fantasy starter of the bunch. I know he's a little bit smaller he doesn't necessarily look like an ace the way Kyle Wright does, but I think that Bryce Wilson could be the, be- the best arm of the bunch. What are your thoughts on the Braves promotions here, Lance? Yeah, I'm most interested in, in Pache here um, because I think he's a guy I always end up coming back to because I've always been a little bit lower on him for fantasy purposes specifically because I think that better tools are in the field where it's just not going to translate to fantasy value. So the thing, I'm going to watch a couple things with him going forward. One is stolen bases because he he's not successful with them. I know he's graded out as 80 speed, but his rates are terrible. Like he's basically a 50% guy. And I, I, I get, he's got 80, 80 straight line speed. It's going to probably result in plus base running at the major league level, but he's got to learn how to steal bases, which I think is one of the bigger things that is pushed on a lot of guys when they get to the major league level. Like even we've seen guys like Tim Anderson, like come up initially and just not run. And I get stolen bases are a lot about intention more than anything, but to be, to get the green light, which he may have had in A ball in Rome, but doesn't I, I don't know if he's going to have in Double A. Like I know a lot of the guys in Midwest League have have green lights. Asteri Reese, I found out had a has a green light um, last night, and there's just guys like that who are, who are able to run a ton. But as you get up to higher levels and you face better catchers and stuff like that, and better arms, and it's it's tougher to run. And I think that the fact that he was he was like a 75 ish percent guy, even lower than that in Rome. It doesn't really bode well going forward. And again, I, I want to see him develop. I think he can. I mean, he's only, I think he's only 19 years old, right? He turns 20 in November of this year. So again, I'm completely, I, I think that there's just a lot of things with him that I'm interested in watching walks or another thing. He doesn't really walk much at all. His strikeouts have come down a bit and I like that. I like the development of power. Let's see if the power plays up in double a lot, a lot of question marks for me with Pache still. I think that it's really, really conducive to his development and you know, his, just his pedigree that they're willing to put him up in double a. So that again, goes in contrast to my beliefs of him as a fantasy option, a viable fantasy option initially when he maybe hits the major leagues eventually. But 
I'm, I wouldn't be stunned to see him maybe linger in double-A if there's any struggles. Say he stays in double-A the rest of the year and maybe starts there next year or something, and then hopefully we see triple-A by, by mid to end of next year, and then next thing you know, we're looking at a 21-year-old knocking on the door. So, um, again, I mean, he's an unbelievable athlete. I'd love to see him prosper, but I'm, I'm going to be very critical of certain things with Pichet going forward. And then texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. On the arm side side of things too, yeah, I think it's funny. We've seen a lot of the Braves arms and even a lot of like the Padres arms too just going to two of the better arm systems in minor league baseball right now where mm. they get up through higher levels and some of the Ks drop off. And we've seen that with guys like Michelle Baez, even Morejones have kind of gone in the other direction over in San Diego. But, I mean, you mentioned Alard too is a guy who always had an amazing, amazing curveball, I think. And that's kind of, I mean, we saw at the major league level, I didn't really get a chance to dig into his major league start. I wanted to look at some of the pitch data from that to see how he was looking in terms of spin rate and location and stuff. But uh, again, really small sample there. But it's interesting. Yeah, you mentioned Bryce Wilson. I think he was always the guy I had like fifth or sixth on, on the ranking of starting pitchers. And it's you have to consider him for hire now, especially in fantasy leagues. Yeah. Just because if he's the only guy of the bunch that could sustain strikeouts going forward, then he's got to be one of the ones you want to be interested in most. Like, I get Soroka is just unbelievable command. Some people think the strikeouts are bounced back. I think that they will. I don't know if they will ever jump to, like, a 9-5, 10-K per 9-ish window. I think it's going to sit more 8-8-5, if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. again, we've seen guys We've seen guys jump, especially with as good a feel he has and as good of command he has. So, um, I mean, again, arms are, arms are tough, man. I think that even a guy like Chris Paddock, too, like going back to the Padres here, who had just stupid, stupid strikeout numbers in the lower minors, he gets up to San Antonio. Those are coming down a little bit just because he, he, like, you just don't see a, as good of a change as Chris Paddock has on the lower levels. So guys have no idea what to do with that pitch. And then you get the double-A, and those guys have probably seen decent changes before, and then you see the Ks tumble down. So the progression of it is interesting. You know, you, you're going to see a trend of Ks fall off for most guys, but this yeah. ability to sustain that, ability to have a third or fourth pitch that maintains – deception for hitters is so so vital and i i think bryce wilson has that i'm i'm think i'm turning the corner on bryce wilson after probably having him fifth or sixth on the list for an extended period of time well i think and i think that the whole narrative with the fastball and that transition in mid-season and then having the results I, I just think that that's the kind of information that can really change your perspective on a player and can kind of get you to go all in because i think sometimes i know uh, jason woodell and i were talking about this the other day but there's some times where you sort of forget these guys are like human beings. And mm -hmm. I think it, it come up with like the Tommy fam stuff. And like, there's certain guys who have better work ethics or are just able to adapt. And when you think, when you see something like that and it's, and it's a very, it's a very tangible thing. And then you can see the results that, that come after or because of that work or that ability to adjust. I think you have to include that when 
you're evaluating these players. You know, I, I think it's an I think it's an important part of sort of the the overall picture of, of how good a talent is. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with you on that. Um, and we were mentioning uh, Louis Oviedo, too, is another guy, like, on the pitching side of things, who, yeah. you know, I'm going to get a look at it, hopefully, eventually, for Lake County, now that he got called up. Um, yeah, another, some other another guy now. that was promoted. Yeah, another guy that was yeah. promoted. He's a really interesting one. We were taught, we were digging in on him uh, prior to the show, and, you know, he's fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. The grades I've seen, the highest are the slider and the changeup. He definitely has good off-speed stuff. We've watched some some tape of the starts, um, you know, there's four or five videos out there over the course of like a spending a year or so back to like the AZL last season. But, um, yeah, really loose, like easy mechanics. We were kind of like debating his arm slot, if it was kind of over the top or if it was a little bit lower, like a high three quarters. Um, but he's pretty fluid. And if the fact that he hits 97 miles per hour and he's young and he's six, four and he's, you know, high waisted, a lot of legs seems really, really, you know, like a, a, a strong athletic build, um, he's like, you know, exactly what you look for in a pitching prospect. I don't think the body is very projectable at this point for a 19 year old, but the stuff certainly is. And the feel for pitching certainly is and the numbers, uh, during his time in, in, uh, in the New York Penn league have been tremendous. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in the Midwest league. Anything you wanted to add in the Oviedo, or do you want to jump into the, uh, the Dodgers, White Sox, Red Sox, some of these other promotions that have taken place. Yeah, let's definitely jump into those. I'll, I'll run through the White Sox guys. We had Madrigal go up to Winston-Salem. He still hasn't struck out. I know we were joking about, or I don't know if I actually want to confirm that, but um, yeah, we were joking about there's a... Didn't strike out last time. Jesus Christ. Nope. So there's a Twitter account we were joking about that's has Nick Madrigal struck out, and it's literally just the tweet of no, right? And nope. I found that hilarious. Nope with a period. And, nope, that's it, yeah. Um, so <laughs> we, we gotta, we gotta be a little more creative and stealing some of these, uh, Twitter accounts. Cause I know there's a Vlad one and there's a bunch of other pretty funny ones that I enjoy. So yes. uh, Vlad, I, that's just a testament like to magic. Vlad updates, set. Vlad updates or something like that. It's, it's, yeah, classic. that's a fun it, it one. Is, Absolutely. It is really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I thought yes. that was an interesting one. Um, Steel, Steely Walker was promoted to uh low a Kannapolis as well, who was another, uh, draft pick this season for, yep. or, or this past draft for the white Sox. So that was an interesting one to bring up. Uh, Dodgers had a couple of promotions. Gavin Lux was promoted to double uh, a Tulsa. He homered it in his first game. Uh, Will Smith, the catcher and third baseman. He's played an equal number of games between uh, third base and catcher. He's really had a tremendous leap in terms of tapping into his power over the last two seasons, rocking ISOs uh, over 200 plus. And uh, he's got good plate approach. He was pretty good at Virginia, a guy that never really tapped into the power, but uh, he was a Virginia guy, right? Or am I wrong? Was he Clemson? What are you talking about? Will Smith. Will Smith was Virginia, wasn't he? Uh, I could have sworn, I I could have sworn Smith was Virginia. And then, uh, oh, was it Taylor Ward was Clemson? Oh, anyway, 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 I'm getting off topic here. But either way, Smith up to AAA, uh, Oklahoma City. He's a guy I think is very interesting next year in Los Angeles, especially if, if I'm not mistaken – I believe that Yasmani Grandal is out of uh, contract next year, and Austin Barnes hasn't set the world on fire. So this would allow them to bring him up to the major league level and platoon with whoever they end up playing there. I don't know if it's Barnes and him or what. And he could play a little third base as well, give Justin Turner a spell if he's still dealing with some injuries or something happens there. So he's an interesting guy. He's played some second base as well. So uh, I, w- I was pretty excited by both those guys and pretty high on both. Really, really like Gavin Lux. I think he's taken a massive step forward. I don't know if he necessarily sticks as a shortstop in terms of the glove, but he certainly could stick on the left side of the infield due to uh, how strong his arm is. Uh, anything you want to mention on those guys? Or should we mention that Joe Adele was called up to double A and homered in his first game? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Will Smith's Louisville. 
and Grandal is a free oh. agent after this season. Okay, Will um, Smith. Will Smith was Louisville. Uh, so yes. it was. Um, oh, it was. Uh, it was uh, Matt Thighs who was uh, the Virginia guy, if I'm not mistaken, from that draft. Yes, yes, he is correct. Correct. You're yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I got, remember that. I got. I got him and I got him and Thighs confused. I think they were they were drafted relatively close. So, you know, within absolutely a few picks. Um, so uh, mistake. Joe on, Adele. Joe Adele. I made a mistake. So we're talking about <laughs> angels prospects. Um, yes, dude. I mean, it's Joe Adele. Come on. It's I had Joe him, Adele. I had him top five. I think he's easy. Top ten at this point. I think he could push for number one or number two going into next season. He is tremendous. He is just tremendous talent. He was out of the lineup last night for mobile. Uh, I don't think there was an injury or anything. I couldn't find anything on Twitter. So, uh, Let's hope he was just getting some rest and he'll be back mm-hmm. in the lineup tonight. So, uh, yeah, Adele, it's going to be nice that you can watch Adele now on your MILB apps because it's easy double A and all, all double A games are covered. So we're going to get some nice prospect gifs. I'm guessing big shots to at prospect sure. gifs of, uh, Joe Adele homers and Joe Adele plays. And I think once everyone <laughs> gets to see how smooth this guy is, how much power he has, how athletic he is, I think people are going to be really impressed. You're going to understand why he was so high on my list and baseball perspectives and, and everybody else, baseball America. It seemed like he was one of the big risers and, uh, there shouldn't have been too many questions to how good he was. Um, Want to go into some other call-ups here? We have a few more, and we can just sort of bang these out before we get into the 5x5 five five yeah. and end the show. Um, Red Sox called up Josh Akami. Akami homered in the eighth inning of last night's game in his first double triple uh, A game. Uh, Mike Schwarren was called up as well. He went six innings. I think he struck out six or seven or allowed four runs. It seemed like it was a decent uh, decent start against an okay Rochester lineup. You know, they got, they got some hitters in that lineup that have uh, played in the big leagues and some prospects like, you know, Nick Gordon. So... I wouldn't uh, completely write that start off. So it's okay. It's interesting to see uh, Schwarren just one step away from the majors and the Red Sox definitely need some starters down the stretch here. So it wouldn't su- surprise me if he pitches relatively well, if he gets uh, the call up in September and gets a start or two, uh, just to give some guys some blow. Maybe when they go to like six man rotation, uh, if they have uh, enough headroom in the division and which is a distinct possibility the way the Red Sox are playing. So I keep an eye on Schwarren. Bobby Dahlback was called up to double a Portland He's had an excellent uh, season. I think we we really, you know, though he's a three outcome guy, the strikeouts are always going to be an issue. You know, I don't know why he can't carve out a career like a Matt Chapman uh, with Oakland as sort of a similar path as well as a highly billed guy, uh, you know, going into uh, his final year, his junior year at, uh, at Arizona. So I think it was similar to Chapman, I believe, at Cal Long Beach. And then had sort of a difficult junior year, there were some questions and he dropped a little bit in the draft due to that. So kind of similar. He's really good in the field. He's got an excellent arm. He's a very strong defensive third baseman, which I think will push that profile a little bit gets on base a ton. He's going to be great for your OPS leagues for your five by five roto. He's always going to hurt you with batting average. He has some holes in the swing. He strikes out with some stuff, but you know, I know we heard some really good reports in the off season on John coat from John Calvagno. When we had him on for the Red Sox show, he said, don't write this guy off. And when you look at the numbers, I think he set a, a Salem Red Sox record with 26 homers. I'd have to double check on that number, but I do believe it was 26 single season record there. And we're in early August. He got the call up to double a, he's not that far from the major leagues. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, if he pushes in double a, and they they need him. I don't think he gets called to the majors, but 
there's a chance that he might get some looks next season. I, you know, I, I think that he's definitely helped his, his prospect status in my opinion. So I don't know if you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on Dahlbeck at all before we just touch on a few more quick call-ups here. Yeah, I, I'm actually want to go back to Schwarren there just because I, I oh, saw good. him. And I, I actually liked yeah. what I saw a bit. Yeah, I, I enjoy him. I think that he's probably one of the more underrated pitching prospects. I don't think I see too much of a ceiling there. But yeah. is his delivery's a little bit of like a, a heavy back leg drive. I don't know if yeah. that's going to waver on the command side of things. It kind of is like a Dylan Cece kind of thing where he doesn't have that same amount of strikeouts that Dylan Cece does. But I think the oh, command can always be a stop. bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have the stuff either. But uh, but Schwarren Sinkers is a very very good oh, pitch. Yeah. I think that that can be like not, not major league stuff. eligible. Like no, not at all. Exactly. And Cease yeah. is just disgusting in terms of the strikeouts. But I think that Schwarren could be like a viable like four in a rotation. And I, I think that that Same. maybe is his ceiling. And I almost I don't think the floor is too much lower than that personally. I don't see too much use for him out of the pen based off his mix and stuff like that. But he's fun. I th- he's a gamer. He throws really hard. Um, I think he does mix four seamer elevated too with that sinker, which I like a lot in a lot of guys. And uh, I, I'm interested in him. He's a guy that honestly, if you had to like peg a guy, who probably not other people are talking about that can maybe have an impact at the major league level in fantasy leagues in like the next year and a half to two years. Like I might toss Schwarren in there because like if he's a guy that if you put him on a team like the Red Sox where he's getting wins, he could become really interesting really quick. He could be a yeah. matchups guy. I'd, he'd be one of those guys that I'm constantly going to the streaminator for on Rasball, but. Yeah, I like Schwarren. I liked what I saw. I think that he's a fun, pretty fun prospect, personally. Yeah, I think the the fact that he works low in the zone, gets lots of a decent amount yeah. of ground balls, mm-hmm. and gets some swings swings and misses, and you know he's a little bit funky because of how low that arm angle is. It's it's such a low three quarters. It's almost it's, like sidearm. Yeah. You know, it's it it's almost so much so much throw. run on that fastball. On it really center. does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's an interesting guy. I wanted to mention one of our favorite prospects, Jesus Sanchez, was promoted to double A. Yeah. And I think thus far he's actually hit pretty well. Might have had a double in his first game or a couple of hits. So I think that's interesting. And then um, three guys that were all promoted to uh, the Pioneer League um, that were rookie ball guys from this draft class, all shortstops as well. And Bryce Terang <laughs> continues to hit. Uh, he had a big game last night for Helena, uh, blaze Alexander, who was a, uh, a later round guy at IMG Academy. Um, he was promoted, uh, also to the pioneer league. And then, uh, Jeremiah Jackson, who was a uh, second round pick of second round pick, right? He wasn't a comp round guy. Might've been a comp round guy. I, uh, he, check I, believe was, I could check. I think he was, second I want to think it was early second round Jeremiah Jackson, uh, an angel shortstop prospect, power hitting shortstop. He was also promoted. Yeah, they're 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 very interesting. I have to say that Bryce Terang is a guy that has definitely pushed his profile for me. I mean, last night he was two for five, three runs scored, walked. Um, you know, he hit very well, very well at uh, you know rookie rookie level AZL. You know, slash three nineteen, four twenty one. Um, you know, didn't hit for much power, but that's okay. You know, he's, he's 18. And I think that was maybe the big knock on terrain, but the fact that he's a good defensive shortstop and he's really showcased that and he's getting on base, he's working counts, he's putting the ball in play and making good contact. I think it's sort of tough to, uh, totally knock him that I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta boost him a little bit. And, uh, you know, if he's able to push his way up to Milwaukee in, you know, three, four years, uh, and actually play in that lineup, play in that park. Maybe that that boosts his, his value with power a little bit. But I don't think you can really mm-hmm. add that when 
when you're looking at the profile, you can't project where a guy's going to be hitting in three or four years, even with like the Rocky system. Cause Tough, all hard. these guys, yeah, all these guys could get traded and something could change. But I think that's an interesting trio of uh, short, short stops from this past draft class that you should keep an eye on, especially if you're in a deeper uh, dynasty league where you have a deeper first year player draft where it's not just maybe the first 24 picks. You're really looking out to maybe like a hundred guys or so. Those are guys that, you know, are probably going to be within your top 30 or so that you should definitely try to try to grab. And, uh, the thing about shortstop prospects is even if they don't stick at shortstop, they find homes at third base, second base, and in the outfield. So they usually have strong enough skills and athleticism uh, and baseball IQ going back to what we talked about before that they can transition to other positions and carve out everyday major league roles. So uh, that's why everyone always targets those up the middle sort of players. Anything else you want to yes. add here? Or should we give us some shots out to our, uh, our boys at Rotoware? Very quickly, Bryce is a guy, if you listen to the draft show, anyone knows that I, I was not really high on it at all. So um, Same. I'm, I'm very interested to see going forward because I didn't really like the swing. I thought that his frame was actually a little bit filled out for his age, which I didn't really yep. like. And I, I just was like, I don't know. Like, I get he's a plus defender, but if I'm not a fan of the swing from the left side, I know he's more of a contact guy. Like, what are we looking at long term? But I think his promotion's good. You know, let's see him at higher levels. Let's see how he does. I don't know where the power is sitting. I know it's kind of a more line drive level bat path, but um, – Again, 18, there's a lot, a lot of growth here. Um, he's a guy, I think that he's going to have a lot of variable variable draft slots and free player drafts going into next year. He's going to end up, mm. some people are going to be aggressive on him. I bet in the middle of the first round, say you're in like a 16, 20 team league, or even like Raz 30, I bet he goes like, you know, like 18 to 20. But I bet there's some leagues where maybe someone's like, I want him mm. 15, or other leagues Don't. where everybody passes on him. Don't you know? forget the international prospects are going to be available in Raz 32. Oh, I, for- oh, plus, sh- I always forget plus, about that. Yeah. Plus unowned guys that might get dropped from some of these rosters like mine that have a ton of prospects and I'm not going to necessarily keep yep. everybody. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I'm, I'm guessing Tarang will probably go like more in like the twenties to like the thirties. Yeah. I, I, I just think, think so that too. there's That's other fair. guys, pitchers, people are going to target different guys and you have, a pretty good international draft class that's um, or an international class that's, that's going to get some hype. So I think you'll see some of those guys go too. you know, cause you got to think like uh, Victor Victor's going to sign Luciano and, yep. and some of those guys are going to get some hype. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think that's very interesting. Um, Want to give a little uh, shout out to Rotoware Lance. What do you yeah, say? Let's do it. All let's right. So I'm wearing my 80 grade shirt that I feel like I've been wearing for like a week straight because I don't like to change my clothes and I'm a dirty, dirty bastard. But (laughs) if I'm going to be a dirty bastard, I'm going to slum around the house. I'm going to wear the most comfortable shirts that I own. And those are the RotoWare shirts. I have some RotoWare classic shirts. They're excellent as well. But going back to the actual like, you know, mama brand, the mother brands, the original RotoWare, there is really nothing better than these shirts. I mean, the quality is is awesome. Nothing ever fades. I've had some of these shirts now for a year plus worn them hundreds of times. They haven't worn down. They haven't ripped. They haven't torn. There's no loose strings. I really want to talk to just the quality of these shirts. We know the designs are awesome. We know they're all fantasy baseball uh, or fantasy football relevant. And then if you go over to Rotoware Classic, I unfortunately can't use our promo code Sagnoff there yet. I think that's coming. I'm going to keep on on teasing that. It will. All those shirts will eventually be over on the Rotoware site, and you will be able to use our promo code. But for now, you can just use it on the really high quality shirts, and you probably get more bang for your buck that way. Sagnoff, S A G N O F. You get ten or twenty percent off. And then, if you're interested. Go over and check out some of the designs on Rotoware Classic because he's really been doing a lot of relevant stuff. It's sort of like in the moment, 
a lot of fan shirts, especially as you're gearing up for the playoffs, you're ready to watch your team. Maybe you're a Mariners fan. You know, maybe you're an Indians fan, Yankees fan, Red Sox fan, you know, over on the national league side, you know, with the, with the Cubs and, and Milwaukee, he's got a ton of shirts for all these teams that are in the mix, right? Of course, the Braves, all these teams are in the mix right now, go over there, check out the designs and you're going to be able to grab an awesome shirt. That's going to be totally unique. And all your friends are going to be asking you about it. Or when you're at the game, it's a great conversation piece. I've had scouts ask me about my 80 grade shirt before and my prospect stasher shirt. So uh, there you go. I always send them over to rotoware.com or at rotoware on Twitter. Lance, did I do a good job or anything else you want to add? <laughs> no, that was a great job. I have my process results shirt on. I do find them very, very comfortable. I actually have to say I agree with you in terms of how the fit is because I feel like they fit me better than like any of my other shirts. Which yeah, is, they really do. Which is annoying for my other shirts, but it's also fantastic because it's <laughs> rotoware. So uh, I'm a, of course a big rotoware guy. I'm gonna, I got to scoop up some more shirts too. I know I bought a come a, a couple of them. Uh, Couple weeks ago, no, no, a couple months ago, I think, probably beginning of the season, I think I bought like three or four. I got to buy some more now. Um, yeah, diversify my pot of of Rotoware shirts. But you gotta, Kenny you has always at Kenny the brand. Cashman. I have to, I have to, absolutely. Um, what do you say? I know we were gonna do a little bit of like a scouting section, Ralph, but I think we kind of feel like we kind of covered that a little bit, and especially because you didn't see Fido and Paredes. Yeah, yeah we worked it in. So you want to jump to the five by five? Sure. Let's do the five by five. And I want to lead it off with a player that I'm super interested in. And I actually, I want to admit, I found about, I found out about this guy from James Anderson from Rotowire. He had him within his top 100. He's a guy whose numbers I had looked at. I heard about him a couple weeks ago. I didn't know a ton about the profile. So I, I went to the source. I asked James about it. And of course, a mutual friend of ours, actually, he's a co-manager in, in uh, the Roto-Wire Dynasty Invitational, Ian Kahn, who you may know as the general on Turned Washington Spies. He's a genius dynasty player, really is like a great dynasty hmm. player. You know, he's good friends with Tim McLeod. I talk to Ian all the time. He calls you on the phone with trades too. And he, he puts on the charm to, to get it. you to trade your players. So I've been, I've been trading off some right now pieces for some prospects and we've gotten some deals done, but Ian was digging in on this guy. And then we started to go to sort of the Dodgers fan community. And some of the guys have been following him throughout his stops this year. And it's Miguel Vargas. Who's a, a third baseman um, in the, in the uh, Dodgers organization, uh, really, really interesting player, uh, has a really nice compact swing kind of power. He kind of, uh, uh, is able to pair power and contact really, really nicely. I mean, if you look at the numbers here, I mean, he was way too advanced for the Arizona league he was only there for eight games, but, um, you know, he walked almost twice as much as he struck out. Um, you know, he doesn't try to like murder every ball. They moved him up to advanced rookie ball, 22 games there, um, had a couple of homers, and uh, he was slashing 394, 447, 596. If you take a look at the swing, it's a really, really nice swing. And uh, actually, maybe it was uh, maybe it was the AZL that he had a couple of homers, and I'm wrong. It was the uh, the eight games. No, it was it was the eight game stretchers in the AZL. So no, I was right the first time. Don't need to correct myself. But uh, the numbers for the strikeouts are really, really low. He walks. Good contact profile. All the scouting reports really sort of hammer that home. And I think the thing is with this guy is he's now in um, full season ball and he is 18 years old until the end of the year. Um, 6'3", 198, big athletic, strong guy. He looks like a ball player and he's got some genes, I guess, as well. Uh, he was a Cuban kid that was signed for 300,000. So there you go. Even though, uh, you know, these guys are under a million dollars in the bonus pool sometimes, especially with these organizations like the Yankees, the Dodgers, they find some of these gems, Houston Astros, because they spend so much money on scouting. And uh, I guess his father 
was a legendary player in Cuba. So he's another one of these guys like Victor, Victor Garcia or the Guriels who comes from bloodlines over on the island. So Miguel Vargas, if he's a, and the other thing is he was signed in 2017. So if you're in a league where you can't sign any of the 2018 kids, but you can sign 2017 kids, he's a sneaky guy that you can sign. I got him for $0 in RAS 30. I don't know how I got him for $0 in RAS 30 when I talked about him for two days before the auction. You guys better step up your game. You allowed me to steal Miguel Vargas. <laughs> and based on what James has said and some of these Dodgers guys like Wilson Caraman, um, it sounds like Vargas is absolutely the real deal. And the fact that he's 18 and they promoted him already to a full season Midwest League, Great Lakes, another guy you're going to have to check out there, Lance. And he signed mm-hmm. for 300000 last year. The Dodgers are once again playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Who's your number one, Lance? My number one, I'm actually really interested in Vega Vargas now, but um, yeah, I can't think much about him. So take a he's look one of those guys swing. where I'm going to go. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I've been trying to do like where if I don't know much about the guy, I don't even want to look at the swing. I don't want to go in completely blind in terms of stats and some other things and start to, but then backtrack into it, which I find fun because it's like I kind of come up with my own opinion and then see well, how wrong my opinion is compared to everybody else. Um, well, some, <laughs> but of, I, us, I some mention, of us can't uh, see him. Some of us can't see him in uh, the that's Midwest. That's So we have to watch the tape. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, Jonathan India is my number one. So I know I talked about him very briefly, but uh, he played shortstop last night for the first time. Jeter Downs is, I believe, on the seven day DL with a little bit of an issue um, for Dayton. But India at short was fun. Um, I didn't really expect him to play there, number one. So I was, I was excited for that. I saw some reps there. He looks pretty good at short. I think that my biggest thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition, I'm going to knock out my first two here. I'm going to combo up Alec Bohm and Jonathan India just because. I, I had some introspection as I was thinking about Jonathan India and Alec Bohm yesterday. And number one, India is already ahead of Alec Bohm in terms of the actual level they're playing at. But India's swing is just gorgeous. I, I enjoy it a lot. I didn't think I'd like it this much. It's very compact. It's it's very fluid. There's a lot of power to right center, which is probably one of the things that I, I think I get wooed on the most honestly with guys is like if they're able to power it to right center. I think he could easily turn into like a, a 25-ish home run guy if, 30 home run guy if he starts pulling the ball more, which is, again, it's just more of a development thing for him. Advanced college bat. Um, I'm not sure if he's a shortstop at the major league level. I, he threw a ball away on the run, ranging to his left. Um, that didn't go as an error, but I, I think it should have been called an error, but they didn't. Um, the guy was pretty quick, but I think the ball would have beat. Um, if, if it was online, I think it would have beat him. He's got a really good arm. Um, I, I Again, I'm, I, he's a little bit shorter. He's a little bit stockier. He's very, very well built. He's got an, an awesome like left hand, like his up his arm, his sleeve. So he just looks like he can kill everyone. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that, but he, he's very intimidating, you know? <laughs> and uh, um, I, I like him a lot. I, I enjoyed the swing a lot. I saw some BP from him. I'll have a video hopping up on my Twitter later today, um, kind of corralling all the angles I was looking at him at. But um, it made me think about Alex Bohm and Alex Bohm's, Alec Bohm struggles in the level he's at, which is a much lower level than the, or no, he's the low A, so not too far off from the Midwest League, but um, he's, uh, Boehm is striking out 20% of the time, walking around 7% of the time, but he's not hitting almost at all, and yeah. I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to flip the two of them. I, I always was a big Boehm guy, because I really, really liked what he was doing at Wichita State. I thought that there was average, even better average, I think, ceiling-wise than India, and there was also power there, 
But what India has done and is, is advanced through Dayton already and how, how well he's able to hit, what I saw from his BP, what I saw from his swing, I really don't think there's too many holes. I think he's going to be a lefty masher. He's going to go to right center against righties. His strikeouts are much lower. His walks, I mean, they're fantastic right now, 12% at, um, and up in Dayton, which, again, really, really small sample again. But in rookie ball, he was walking like 25% of the time. So the discipline, the pitch recognition for being at a strong school like Florida for an extended period – um, helped him a ton, I think, in his development. And maybe maybe it hurt Alec Bohm being in the American, which is not really as good of a division. I know it's been better of late um, in both basketball and baseball, and it's kind of this new one where they moved over there. So I guess we'll see. But I, I just I had some introspection in terms of where I value these guys. And I think that initially I had Bohm over India for an extended period of time based off my draft results. And I think that they're coming a lot closer now. I, if I had to rank right now, I might still have Boma ahead just because I like sticking to my beliefs from the past. But seeing India live, Ralph, I think you had him around 27 on your top 100. I thought that was aggressive. It's not aggressive, basically, from what I saw live. I really, really liked him. He actually reminded me of a little bit of like a, a, a younger, light version of Nick Senzel in terms of how compact everything was. Because Senzel, I'm always going to be a fan of just because I still can't believe that guy. Um, is is that is able to possess that much power without really incorporating his lower half and his swing at all? But but India is a, a little bit more of a free swinger. He's like a power version, I think, of Nick Senzel in terms of everything. And I'm I'm a big fan. I'm really going to watch him going forward. I think that I wouldn't be stunned to see him up in high A um, by the end of the year. Is basically what I'm saying because I think that he's his bat in the Midwest League is already probably advanced for the level. Awesome. Yeah, I think he's he's uh, it's funny because I was thinking about this, too, and, and maybe this can be a conversation for a few shows from now. But there are a ton of different guys at the moment that are really relevant as like maybe the first overall pick in your first year player draft that there's like 10 guys that legitimately have a case. And I mean, even if you look at somebody like I think I'll talk about him tomorrow in my in my article on Sunday, but Grayson Janista's numbers in in the Sally League are awesome. I mean, he's hitting like three forty four, four something, five something hitting homers. You know what I mean? Like, and we've gotten decent reports on him as well. So there are so many guys in this draft that it's, uh, yeah, there are a lot. you know, there's no sort of standout guy and the way bomb has struggled and injured and all that sort of stuff. It's not just stock bat that at this point, I think I take, um, Nolan Gorman over him. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. So I love uh, Norman. <laughs> we're going to talk, talk a little bit more about Nolan Gorman in a minute. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? Do you want to do your number two and then kick it back to me? Or do you want me to do my number two now? What do you say? Well, my number two, it was Alec Boehm. I didn't really dig into it too much there, but okay, uh, cool. I just I wanted to knew that. 190, 192, to 288 <laughs> and 212 on his slash. Um, 20% strike rate, 7% walk rate only in 14 games for low a, um, I think that's Williamsport, right? And uh, yeah. it's not great. But again, he's had some weird injury problems. It'll probably bounce back. But I think just the di- dichotomy between Bohm and India, in ter- especially in terms of like we're only going to get another month or two of these or month and a couple weeks of these guys if their team's making it into the playoffs. So, you know, we're going to be going into first year player drafts with a very small sample. And it's going to be very interesting to see how much people buy into smaller samples of success. And this is, I think, where the scouting side and, and your gut feeling when you see these guys live or anyone that sees these guys live and trusting other people's opinions, even the guys like in the Sally League, you know, you're talking about like Grayson and stuff like that. Um, I'm, you know, you got to rely on guys like that when you're not 100% certain that the sample you're looking at on the stat side of things is is actually telling the whole story. So it's really important, I think, going forward to to be very conscious of what else what people are saying about the guys on top of the stats. And that's, I think, why I'm I'm a little bit higher in India. I think that I ever have been. Um, but I'm really excited for him and and Boom. So India and Boom are my one two. Who's your number two, Ralph? 
Yeah. So my number two, I think, is uh, maybe a, a departure from the kind of story that I necessarily cover in the five by five. And I don't know if it's so fantasy relevant as well as it's just a really great minor league success story and sort of talks about a guy, Luke Rainey, uh, who was signed on the 4th of July by the Mets. Uh, this was a guy that was a, a, a prep draft pick by the Baltimore Orioles back in 2012, 16th round kid out of Torrey Pines High School, which has had a ton of players out in San Diego. And I uh, was given a hundred thousand dollar bonus, which is a pretty good bonus, especially 2012 for a 16th rounder. Um, pitched pretty well in the Gulf Coast League, but as he moved up through the minor league system, the Orioles, he got progressively worse and worse and worse to the point that mm. he was released after the 2015 season. So, you know, with a bonus guy like that and, and somebody who's, you know, just the, the Orioles had just effectively given up on him. So he signed with the Evansville Otters in the Frontier League back in 2016. <laughs> he had a terrible season with the Evansville Otters in 2016. He had a 7.33 ERA in 46 innings. Uh, he had a two-year deal, so they brought him back the next year. He was working with, uh, I think, their pitching coach, Max Peterson, over the course of those few years. Had a really good season last year, over 77 innings. He had a 2.91 ERA for Evansville. They brought him back again this year, and... Uh, you know, I think it was through 10 games. He had a 2.31 ERA, only given a 51 hits, uh, 20, 20 walks to 70 strikeouts. The numbers were really good. The Mets decided to take a chance on this guy. And so far, uh, since he signed on the 4th of July, um, his numbers have been tremendous in Columbia, which is uh Saudi league. So, um, he's 27 innings, 37 Ks to six walks. ERA is like, you know, like I think under one or something silly, um, so he's kind of an interesting guy. I mean, he's a little bit old, 24 years old, but obviously you know, he had to go through hell to sort of get here and throws him a really low three quarters arm slot, really repeatable. Um, there's a ton of strikes, obviously based on the numbers you just heard with the strikeouts, can't miss some bats. He's more of a control guy, you know, 88 to 91. He's got a little bit of cutting cut movement on the fastball, mixes a mid nineties slider, high seventies, uh, curve ball. And every third, so often, you know, he, he works in a, a change up. Uh, from the reports that I've seen, they say he works really, really fast and just, you know, in particular, you know, um, he's able to sort of work up and down in the zone with the fastball challenging guys and, you know, high with the eye level and then, you know, dropping that curveball, you know, um, high and low in the zone when needed. So he's kind of an interesting guy to me. And I, I just really love the story with Rainey here. That's R E N N I E. That's Luke L U C. Rainey, R-E-N-N-I-E. He's a Mets prospect, right-hander. Check him out. Um, I think in your deeper dynasty leagues, he might be somebody that's maybe worth a flyer. Maybe it's a back end of the rotation profile, but anytime a guy like this has to go through hell to sort of get back into professional baseball and then has success on upon you know initial landing, I think that's pretty interesting. So uh, I just love the story, and, and I wanted to share it. Lance, do you mind if I jump into my number three? Because I know do it, I think yeah. we both... I think we both want to really, really talk about this guy. Oh yes, and that would be that would be Lance's binky. That would be probably <laughs> pushing to be the number one pick in first year player drafts. That is Cardinals third base prospect, first round draft pick, eighteen year old Nolan Gorman, who is a power hitting lefty corner infielder, and he has been doing big things this year in the Appy league, which is advanced level rookie ball with Johnson city. Um, I believe these numbers are up to date, but he's slashing 325, 424, 659 with a 14.6% walk rate, 10 homers. I believe he hit his 10th Homer last night in his 32nd professional game, 
The strikeouts aren't that bad when you consider that was one of the big knocks on him uh, throughout the prep circuit and throughout you know his his senior year of high school here. Um, yeah, 23.6% strikeout rate is not bad when you consider he's an 18-year-old kid in advanced rookie ball, and he's the kind of power hitter that he is. Lance, I've given you the numbers. Ooh. We've seen the tape. Go and, and, and check out uh, John from 2080. I know John Eshelman, I believe is the name. Uh, he's been putting out a ton of great stuff. He's seen some looks at, at Gorman. He's seen some, some scouting reports on Gorman. Had a double and a homer the other day for Johnson City. I think maybe on Wednesday or Thursday I tweeted that stuff out. You can go look at my wall. I've been retweeting a lot of stuff that John's been putting out there. Is Gorman the number one guy right now in fantasy? I mean, is he the number one first-year player draft pick for you when you look at the projection and, and also the results that we've seen? As he exceeded expectations, we were both guys that were pretty high in Nolan Gorman. Oh, he's, he's exceeded expectations for sure. I don't think he's the number one. I think that he's one of the most interesting because he's producing unbelievably well as a high school bat, you know? Because we have guys like Jared Kelnick, too, who, again, Kelnick looks good. Like, there's nothing wrong with Kelnick. He's walking 17% of the time. He's just not he's, hitting as well. Like, yeah, his bat he's is way really out low. Yeah, the bat is ahead yeah. of uh, Kelnick, yeah, for sure. And, and I, think we're, I think we're just getting an understanding that that Gorn might have had some of the best raw power in the draft, which I think uh, maybe India's oh, right yeah. in that window. Maybe Bohm's right in that window, too. But, I mean, I, I, I don't want to consider myself like an OG Gorman guy, but I <laughs> loved Gorman for a really, really long time. Like, I, I just yeah. always thought his setup was just beautiful. And you see that now, like some of the Calvagno video I was looking at. Like, he's so relaxed at the plate. It's like he's just he, – his hands are a little loose over the plate – and his, they're just explosive as heck. And I just, I always go back to that. And I, just, I still can't can never get over that Mason Denenberg 95 mile per hour inside fastball that he took out in Petco, like 415, 20 feet to right center. And we're seeing that now. He's got 10 home runs. Like the kid is raking. I'm, I'm particularly interested to see if they, I know he's high school. So like he's 18, he's a little bit younger. He's a 2000 guy. I, do they jump him over the Penn League? You know, like I know State College and Johnson City are relatively similar. Maybe they kick him up to Peoria. And I'm selfishly saying that because I would definitely go see him. So that's uh, all I really want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Why don't we – who's your number three? Why don't My you tell d- us about no, your number three? Yeah. My number three is Robert Stevenson, actually. Um, we were just talking about him the other – or pre-show, actually, that his most recent outing, I believe he struck out 13, which is kind of unbelievable because I think that – I saw a really good start of his back in June, I think it was, where he was facing Columbus, and he went six... I think I'm seeing this right. Let me make sure. Yeah, so his June 25th start, I believe. Um, I could be wrong on that. But again, regardless... Um, wait, no, he was at home. There it is, got it. Seven innings, nine strikeouts with no walks is the game I saw of his. And I, when I was watching that game, I thought to myself, that's probably the best game of his career because I can't imagine a game where he doesn't walk anyone, number one, because that's always been the main problem with Robert Stevenson. A beautiful control in that game. I think he gave up a couple of hits, one and run. Looked really, really polished. And it's funny because when I see a guy like that, and I have precedent that he doesn't have good control or command or anything, and that he's kind of most people maybe in Red's country would consider him a little bit of a failed prospect because he's 25 already. He really doesn't produce at the major league level. There's been a lot of blips. But again, really athletic guy, throws really, really hard. The command is just bad, you know, and he's got a couple breaking balls. It, it, everything works for him in terms of mix. And I've always kind of liked him. Like, I don't know. I know he's great. I was kind of like an average pitcher at the major league level maybe a, a while back. I think he was great at a little bit above average, and everyone was probably a little more aggressive on him, hoping that command came around. But he oh, never he was really a top did. 50 guy at one point. Yeah. yeah. He when I first started ranking prospects, he was a top great. 50 guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't think the strikeout potential is really gone anyway. I think that he can always be a 9-plus K-9 guy at the major league level, but we're finally seeing some games in AAA, and I think it's really encouraging where he's reining in a bit of the control. Like, he's able to not walk five guys, and I know he did that in his July 29th start here, but in his most recent start, six innings, three walks, 13 strikeouts. You go back a couple weeks, he had one walk, 12 strikeouts um, in Indianapolis against the Pirates AAA team, six innings pitching that outing. And we're getting a couple outings here where he's just dominating. And maybe he's turning a corner. I, I just want to keep an eye on him again. He's spent the whole season with Louisville and AAA. He's got 113 innings under his belt right now. Um, he's like a two and a half to one strikeout to walk guy, which again isn't really great. But I really like these blips where he's throwing games where he's not walking a lot of guys. And I think that's a sign of things to come. Maybe he ends up being a guy who we're looking at by the age of 28. Where he, we're looking at him and we're going good. He's like a three and a half walk per nine guy. He's viable. He, maybe he's a high three ZRA guy, but the strikeouts are nice enough for fantasy where he becomes relevant. And it, some of these guys just take time to develop. This goes back to the philosophy around kind of waiting on pitching that I think you employ on your list, Ralph. And, you know, it's, there's testament to it. And guys like Robert Stevenson, who were at times top 50, but now, you know, he's 25. And is it going to take three more years before he's, before he's an average major league starter? And there's some upside there because of the strikeouts things. Maybe he's a better guy who's a little bit better in fantasy than anything. Um, a lot of question marks with him, but I, I want to keep an eye on him just because he's not dead yet. He's not in any respect dead. He's 25 years old. And um, Stevenson, AAA, dominating strikeouts galore. Keep an eye on well, him. Well, and I want to mention on Stevenson, too. Do you realize in his last eight starts, he is 6-1, uh, and one, all right, over 49 innings. Um, he's got a 1.65 ERA. It's two, supported by a 2.77 FIP. The batting average against is 1.65, so guys aren't making a lot of contact on him. Uh, with a whip of 1.02, 30% K rate, which is beautiful, yeah. 11% walk rate. So he's still walking guys, but I think you can take that four walk rate if he's striking out, you know, uh, or, you know, four per nine walk rate if he's, mm-hmm. if he's, uh, if he's striking guys out in an 11 per nine clip. Um, that's still concerning. You want to see that under four, but at least yeah, it's getting closer. Oh, he's just getting closer. And I think if you really look at sort of the, the game log over that period um, as well, I think there were a couple games that really skewed it. There were some other games where, you know, he was uh, he was under, you know, three walks. I think there were one, two, three, four. Yeah, four straight starts where he was one, two walks and then one where he was three, three. And then he's had two five walk starts in there uh, on the tail end. So. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he comes and goes with the command, but, and unfortunately the ballpark stinks for him, but yeah, I don't know. I still, I still have some hope for Stevenson. I think this year has been a good progression. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe the K's will translate at the major league level. Cause if you can miss a few more bats and maybe get a little bit of weaker contact, I think it could be interesting. It's just Cincinnati is a terrible place for any young pitcher to have to make yeah, his bones early in his career, you know? I wish they would move him for somebody else. Yeah, maybe that happens. <laughs> gets <laughs> hey, gets moved know. to a different ballpark. Yeah, Great America Ballpark is a tough place to to uh, to pitch. My number four. I was going to mention um, Dobby, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Dahlbach. I already sort of mentioned him. Everything that I that I mentioned, I could throw the numbers out there. He was slashing two fifty six, three seventy two, five seventy three. The one major issue is those hundred and thirty Ks and three hundred and forty four at bats. I mentioned that he had a similar profile to sort of like a Matt Chapman. Uh, so that's there. Why don't we hear about your uh, your number four? You're going to tell us a little bit about uh, Esvaldo Hernandez, who I know you saw last night. 
Uh, yeah, I did want to mention Osvaldo very briefly. I actually was just talking to the media guy. I'm texting with him right now to confirm velocity on Osvaldo. So if I could pull this up, I could give you exactly sure. what the range is per them. They have him fastball, curveball, change, fastball 89 to 94. Scouts guns that I saw were 92, 93 last night. So that's right in that range. I'm confirming that. Curveball at 77 to 80 and then change of 82 to 84. So that's good. Uh, yeah, that's right in pretty much what we're looking at. A little bit more of a whiff change up in terms of that 10 mile per hour differential. Um, don't have, it was just cool. I'm getting like the stat sheet here, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, I just wanted to say that about Osvaldo again. I wanted to point out again that he worked extremely, extremely fast. It's one of those things where I just, I'm interested in him going forward. You know, he's a lefty. Those strikeouts have come down a little bit this year. So it's not one of those things where, uh, he's, he's amazing in terms of the upside. He doesn't really rank probably in the top, even eight ish, maybe in that system. The guys, especially with guys like Patino. I also, wow, I buried the lead here. I got to see Patino's bullpen. Um, which was really, really fun. Um, mm. He's a really, really energetic energetic guy. Also found a really cool Burt Hooten, old Dodger pitcher. If anyone remembers, I know JFO was kicking around on Twitter and saying that he hadn't heard that name in a while. Fluent in Spanish. Uh, he was talking to Patino in Spanish the whole time, which I thought was wow. really, really cool. So uh, I was very impressed with that. You know, And Mackenzie Gore was right behind him watching. Um, I didn't take any video on it. I didn't want to. I was talking to a media guy. I don't think they were too keen of that. But I got to sit there and watch. It was really up close. He, it's funny. He's almost like a Mackenzie Gore light in terms of the, uh, in terms of the the leg kick. You know, it's not as I don't think it's as effective for him as it is for Gore because Gore gets such insane extension forward that it's almost like he goes from that peak down and that's where like the majority of his force comes through. But um, but with with Patino, it's a little bit more controlled. Like when he brings it back down, he doesn't extend as much. He's a much shorter guy. So. Um, I'm interested overall in terms of, obviously, Patino. I am kind of jumping between Osvaldo and Patino here. But Patino, of course, I saw that bullpen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little more interesting than Osvaldo. But Osvaldo, again, great game. Really, really quick worker. It was fun to – I talked through a translator to him after the game too, and he was talking about how the pace for him is a big thing. And he just didn't want the hitters to get comfortable, which is something I'm sure a lot of people always bring up pitcher-wise in terms of why they're working so quickly. Um, maybe the p- pitch clock's helping him. Hey, who knows, Ralph? Who's your number uh, four or five? I think you're already your five. You're on, you're on your five. Yeah, number five. And I think we already talked about your five, so that's why I figured you could uh, you could bring up that guy as well. So, hey, um, I wanted to mention Trevor Larnock, who I feel like has gotten buried with all the other guys that have had success. Um, he's at uh, El- 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 Elizabethton, Elizabethton, which is, uh, I believe, they're at... No, it's Elizabethton, it? I think. No, it's, it's oh, Elizabeth. Really? Wow. Elizabeth that. plus a ton at the end. So Elizabethton. Uh, and he, through 13 games, is slashing 292, uh, 390 on base with a 479 slug. Um, he's got uh, a couple of homers, a couple of do- three doubles, actually, and a couple of steals. So he's been solid. And um, he's a guy that I was really, really high on. Haven't seen a lot of reports on him. I don't know if anyone's got a ton. I don't know where Elizabethton is. Uh, I think it's in Kentucky, but um, I don't know if anyone's gotten any really good looks at him, but he's an interesting guy and somebody that I was obviously very high on. We saw his heroics in the college world series, pretty much won Oregon state, the college world series, the national championship this year, um, you know, helped out as, you know, a core part of that team. I love the hit tool. I love the power. I think he's a pretty athletic kid in the outfield. Um, I think he's like a better version of another prospect that was drafted by the twins last year and Brent Rooker. Like he's not going to strike out mm-hmm. as much, but he has that power profile with more contact and, but he's like, you know, the power hitting corner outfielder. That's sort of, you know, what his persona is, which is similar to Rooker. They're different players, but I think the baseline skill of like, you know, what they project out to be, he's just a better version of that. And, uh, another guy that I think is in the conversation within that top 10, you know, uh, with first year player drafts that, I don't think I'd take him one, but uh, 
I think he's in the conversation for top five for me just because I think the floor is so high and uh, he's a future big league guy for me. So I, I always like the swing. We've talked about Larnock extensively. If you want to hear more about Larnock, go back to our draft shows. Um, but I think it's good for us to, in these five by fives to maybe touch on some of these lower minor guys, draft guys to give you some updates because, you know, you all know what's going on with the top guys in AAA and double A. And if you have MILB and you're a prospect nut, mm-hmm. you can watch a lot of those guys, you know? So, uh, let us do some of the, de- the deep digging on some of the other guys that are out there and let Lance talk about four Wayne prospects. People, he has inside <laughs> information. Use the inside information. You use the tools that you have in front of you. Sorry, somebody <laughs> mentioned that on Twitter. I thought it was so hilarious. I, I was like, we're I giving know. you inside information. What are you mad about? <laughs> <laughs> like a, it's like I can talk to anyone in Fort Wayne. Like I could go there and I can yeah. pick anyone out and hopefully get them because the media guy, my relationship has gotten so good with him. And it's like, I just, I'm going there because I get the access. Like, they're great people there. I love the team. It's an exciting. It's one of the best teams in the Midwest League. Like, I don't know why I wouldn't go there. And and you, you don't want a three and five chance to get a good pitcher. It's like. Yeah, you're not you know? Keith Law. They're not flying you around to go to different places. By the way, I ran into Keith Law at the Cape Cod League last last week, and he you just. Did. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I talked about. I don't think we ended up talking about that last Thursday after I had met him. But uh, I introduced myself because he knows Harold Dieterle, uh top chef, mm-hmm. season yep. one Friend winner. Of the show, sure. Yep, exactly. And uh, I guess going to tell you that he sat behind the dugout talking to Buster Posey's uh, agent for the entire game. I'm not sure he watched the game. <laughs> <laughs> Buster Posey's agent. I mean, come on, you got to focus on that. <laughs> he's probably getting good information to cover. But Paul Martin and I were shooting video and like sitting like underneath the bleachers at Wareham, watching the game, getting tape of Ryan Kreidler, who went in a tear after that game and hit a couple more homers to uh, salvage his time in the Cape Cod League. They're now in the playoffs, by the way. So I don't know how many more Cape Cod League get, looks I'm going to get. But anything you wanted to mention to close out the show? Do you want to talk about your trade or or not? I mean, well, I'll talk about them very quickly in both of them. Well, one of them, I, I flipped Yoannis Cespedes and Raz 30 for Alec Hansen and Ryan Valade. Um, just kind of a buy low, I guess, on Hansen. I've always liked Hansen. I know he's got some weird stuff going on right now, but his stuff is so good. Like, I, it's almost in that, I think it's comparable. Maybe Cease's is a little bit better just because he's had better it's, success, but oh, Hansen's Oklahoma, stuff is disgusting. Oklahoma, Alex Hansen. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see <laughs> in terms of if he's ever able to get below, like, a seven walk per nine, which I really hope he can. But I just – I always liked him. He's a big guy. I think his extension is fantastic. He's athletic for his size. So I'm betting on Hanson. I know it's dumb, again, to bet on bet on some of these arms here. And uh, I found that out when I traded both Anderson Jimenez – or Andres Jimenez, excuse me, and Jeter Downs for Hunter Green just prior to the deadline on the 31st. And then, of course, Hunter Green goes down with an injury. And now I look like an idiot. And my, my master plan, and I was telling this to Ralph, was – was to get green, let him ride out under the season. I thought they were going to shut him down with probably not too many innings and then flip him for Gore because I have Gore above green. I know a lot of people have green above Gore. Um, prior to this injury, I know everyone's probably going to flip Gore above it. But from what I saw between the two, I like Gore better. And now I think everyone will agree with that. So I will no longer be able to execute my master plan of flipping green for Gore. And it's unfortunate. But I now have an elite arm that has a UCL strain. And I don't really know what to do with him in rest 30. I flip two middle infield prospects for him who will probably stick in the middle infield. So, uh, I'm gonna look like an idiot, most likely. But uh, you know, that, you gotta do what you gotta that, do, right? Uh, when I gave you the when I gave you the team, the trade that we made is not looking very good for you right now with no, Domingo Santana. Domingo oh, Santana with, stuck in the minor leagues. It's like I, oh. I pretty much yeah, and 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 I took all the prospects. I took Jesus Sanchez. I took uh, yeah, I took which Austin was fair. Ryan. You know, you guys let me in the league. It seemed it's, but it seemed fair at the time. Like you got a ton of players. Absolutely, you got because Santana of was good. Players. 
and Santana's tough because he's like year. 25 and it's like he's he got power speed yeah. and I don't know what to do. And it's like I can't – I'm not going to trade him for pennies. His value is so low right now. You just got to hold guys like this. I'm, I made a trade too with uh, – actually with James Anderson. He talked about it in his podcast. So I'll talk about it on this one. Um, sure. In the, the Dynasty Guru uh, Expert League, the, the, they have two of them and it's the original one. So I'm in that league and uh, I own Nathaniel Lowe. He loves Nathaniel Lowe. He had like Nathaniel Lowe, like top 30, top 25. Wow. And I had, and he is Brandon Marsh. So I have Marsh oh. higher. He needs a first baseman. I have a ton of first baseman. I mean, I have Goldschmidt in this league. I got uh, Thames, who's a corner uh, infield guy. I got Anthony Rendon, who's a corner infield guy. I got Miguel Sano. I got Brandon Belt. I got Josh Bell. I got Dom Smith. And then my minors, I got like Taylor Ward, Nick Prado. I got a ton, a ton of corner infield guys. So I have plenty of people to cover that spot. Plus Goldie as my first baseman for the time being with bell and belt, you know, bell ends up developing. So I have plenty of those guys. I need outfielders. My outfield right now is David Dahl, JD Martinez, Ryan Braun, Willie Calhoun. I got, uh, I got, uh, uh, Gerardo Parra in there because I, it's a 20 team league and, uh, five outfielders. I'm only like guys like Kemp, belt plays, you know, when he's not in the DL, he plays in the outfield sometimes. So I needed outfielders and my only like real outfield prospect in the minors is Eloy Jimenez. So we did a swap, you know, sort of as James put it, you know, you know, stay true to your ranks, stay true to my ranks and let's make a swap. And, uh, I, tr- I traded, you know, Nathaniel Lowe for Brandon Marsh. I'm happy to get Marsh back. I think this is a good deal for both because it, it it's a player that James is higher on than I am, even though I'm high on him, and Marsh is a player that I'm higher on than James is, even though James is high on him. So it's not like we think either guy stinks and it fits our team construct better. So it was sort of like the perfect dynasty trade. And it was a prospect trade too, which you don't, which I know we've talked about. We like making prospect trades and we like sort of comparing prospects. So, um, I thought it was a really interesting trade and, you know, something that, you know, a couple of, I guess, sort of big name prospect riders were, 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 uh, making in expert leagues though. Nice. James, though James does this for a job and this is my hobby. So I want to, I want to yeah. throw that distinction out there, but yeah, James is a good guy and he's actually going to be in the baseball show next week. Uh, we had oh, Eddie. It. Yeah. We had Eddie Almagar on uh, who, for some reason, I don't know why Andy can't say that name, but we had Eddie on this week in the baseball show. If you haven't seen it, go back, check that one out. We dug in on Bryce Wilson. We talked pretty much about prospects that were traded at the deadline talked a little bit about uh, Tampa Bay's rebuild and what they did at the deadline. I know we didn't get into that in the show, but uh, I like to talk about different topics throughout the week. And I'm sure, you know, Lance and I's thoughts on the the trade deadline were all over Twitter. So Lance, now that I've run long, anything that you want to say to the people before we, uh, we sign off here, any other topics you wanted to broach? No, I think we're good. I think we covered a lot here. Maybe we'll do a little more of a scouting segment going forward. I'm I'm interested if you get a chance to see Erie at all. Um, Obviously Paredes and, um, is Des Cameron there too? Uh, Des Des Cameron is there as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's a fun team, man. Eastern it's League a really is great. Fun. It's Eastern one of the reasons awesome. I buy. Yeah, so let's see if I can get it or not. We'll see. It's tornado looking better. Watch. No, yeah, right. no tornadoes, no <laughs> earthquakes. You know, no tsunamis. So hopefully we'll be good. Awesome. All right, everybody, enjoy. Uh, this is going out on the day we're recording, so it's very weird. Very early in the morning here. This will be out. I'm pretty sure in the next couple hours. So um, enjoy your Saturday, which I could say. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Take care.